Imagine you hired some remote IT workers and some of them turned out to be North Korean spies funneling part of the salary you're paying them back home to pay for a weapons program. Well, that's just what the FBI told us happened this week. I'm Matt Johansson. This is Vulnerable You. Welcome back for another 10 minutes of everything you need to know in cybersecurity this week. So here's the scoop. Some IT experts in North Korea moved to neighboring countries, mostly China and Russia, and then they applied for remote jobs. This is where it gets interesting because a lot of companies in the US won't hire remote employees from China and Russia. So they wanted to appear as if they were working from within the states. To achieve this, they actually paid some U.S. residents to tunnel their internet connection through their house. This would mask their original location to the employer. So from the employer's point of view, they are just hiring a third-party talent agency who just has some sourcing staff. And those sourcing staff seem to be logging in from St. Louis or some other U.S. cities. But that's not all. This wasn't just a plan to get some jobs for some North Koreans. They were actually siphoning that money back home to pay for for secret weapons programs, according to the FBI. Apparently thousands of North Koreans were part of this scheme, and some of them were even participating in corporate espionage. So they weren't just siphoning some of their salary back home, they were actually stealing some corporate secrets and sensitive information that might be valuable to North Korea. This story is absolutely wild to me. I've personally hired some remote employees. I've even used talent agencies like this. And while yes, we've done background checks and things like that, I'm not sure how complex this scheme would have been and which part of the checks that I've employed would have caught something like this. I don't think we've heard the last of this scheme. It seems too wide reaching to have caught it all in one foul swoop. My source for this story is the Associated Press. You can find the link to the news article below, or you could sign up for my free Vulnerable You newsletter and it could have already been in your inbox. All right, now for the biggest story in InfoSec social media this week. Cisco announced a zero day that's affecting some of their devices and they kind of buried the lead a little bit in their vuln disclosure. It was in there, but it wasn't super highlighted that it turns out this has been actively exploited and there's over 10,000 already compromised devices out on the internet. All right, here's the situation. There's a zero day in Cisco iOS XE device. Any of them that are exposed on the internet are probably already owned. The zero day is rated critical, a CVSS of 10, which we know sometimes means nothing, but in this case means full admin privileges. If you're leaving your management portal open on the internet, it can be popped. The attacker can create new admin accounts and get full unauthorized authorized access to your whole network because of these kinds of devices. The scale of this seems pretty large. There's over 10,000 devices that have been identified that are already compromised. The other big part of this story, there's no patch currently available at the time of recording this. So what the heck can you do if you're running these devices? Well, first and foremost, don't have your management portals running on the internet. Other than that, if you're stuck using one of these vulnerable devices, have to employ some network segmentation, and you're going to want to check your network activity for unusual behavior in the last few weeks. If you want to read the rest of this article, it's from one of the best. Dan Gooden. The link's in the description below. All right, this next story is absolutely crazy. It's about a hacking group known as ACG, their lavish lifestyle, and their transition from digital to physical crimes. All right, ACG's specialty was SIM swapping. This is a technique they use to steal all sorts of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. With that crypto, they funded a life of luxury and they posted all of our social media about it. We're learning about all of this from 404 Media's Joseph Cox. I love this new publication they've put out. And they're doing a lot of hard-hitting investigative journalism into cybercrime. This particular story is about Braden Williams, a crew member of ACG. Williams was also part of a group called The Com. We talked about them a few videos ago in connection to the Las Vegas hacks of MGM and Caesar. The Com is a broader group in which ACG is a part. You see why I say attribution's hard? We've talked a lot about sim swapping on the channel, but what makes this one interesting is the transition from sim swapping to real world crime and even violence, which made it a hot target for law enforcement. But as members of The Com and ACG got more and more wealthy, as 
as their scams got more successful, they flaunted all this new wealth in parts of private Telegram and Discord groups. They'd be posting videos in nightclubs of bottle service with ACG written on the signs, even videos of international trips in luxury cars and on yachts. To them, flexing this cash was like flexing success, that they've actually made it as a member of the comm. But all this flaunting of wealth, of course, just like any other criminal gang, is gonna attract a lot of attention for people who wanna steal that from themselves. I don't have time to go through the whole investigative report in this video, but let's just say this hacking group is organized like an Ocean's Eleven style heist team. Everyone had their role. Some person was responsible for social engineering the telecom company. Some person was involved with the SIM swapping part. Some person was just there to clean out the cryptocurrency and move it around and launder it. Everyone had their role and everyone got their cut, but then everyone started flaunting it and law enforcement got involved. There was also stories of members of this group tying people up and threatening to inject them with heroin unless they transferred all their Bitcoin to them. One guy even got his ear cut off. This one's pretty crazy. There's pictures and a whole lot more in the link below. Hey, while you're down there checking out this great 404 media story, please leave us a like and a subscribe. Maybe share this video with a friend. It helps a small channel like me out a whole lot. One last thing on this story, it's a good reminder for me that there's real world victims of hacking. This isn't just bits and bytes that we're protecting as part of our day jobs, sitting safely at our desk. This group was throwing bricks through people's windows and swatting people and they even got the address wrong a few times and really scared some innocent people that had nothing to do with any of this. All right, this next one is proof of why I'm pissed off when websites tell you to turn your ad blocker off. Now YouTube's even getting in the mix there. This story shows exactly why that request actually makes you less safe on the internet. This week, a sophisticated malvertising campaign got discovered that's using Google search results to deliver custom payloads of malware to people. If you haven't heard the term malvertising before, it's advertising, but there's malware in it. This campaign targets popular software like Notepad++ and PDF converters. They're using malicious ads that look like the legitimate software to deliver their malware. What makes this campaign particularly dangerous is they are using some advanced evasion technique. A lot of times we'll see these things just spray and pray and they'll get caught by your system's antivirus or Google will knock them off the internet or whatever. But this campaign uses something called system fingerprinting to decide if they should even try to deliver you a malware payload at all. And if the fingerprint comes back as something that they do want to target, they can deliver a specific payload that would be tailored just for that kind of machine. Here's what I'd do if I was worried about this one. Stop disabling your ad blocker. Disabling ads might appease your advertisers, but it certainly puts your users at harm for turning them off. They exist for a reason, security, usability, and privacy. Have you seen some of these websites without an ad blocker? They're almost impossible to use, and they're stealing your information and tracking you across the internet to make sure that they can give you the right ad that you might click on uh, you know, a fraction of percentage more of the time. If you can meet those three requirements of security, usability, and privacy, I'll happily turn off my ad block. Until then, if I wanna consume a piece of content that just won't let me do it without with an ad blocker on, I'll make a new browser profile or use a completely different browser altogether to just read that piece of content. And obviously make sure your browser and your operating system are up to date so they can't do any drive-by downloads at all. The irony of me talking about this on YouTube, who's now disallowing ad blockers as of this week, is not lost on me, but one fight at a time. All right, and lastly, we've got some government-backed hacking groups that are attacking a vulnerability in WinRAR. Yeah, that WinRAR, the one that we haven't paid for since 1995. We're finding out about this vulnerability through Google's Threat Analytics Group, or TAG. All right, here's what's happening. Google's TAG has noticed multiple government-backed hacking groups exploiting a known vulnerability in WinRAR. The vuln is known as CVE-2023-38831. I'm starting to realize why some vulnerabilities have branding and catchy names. For those of you who aren't a product of the 90s and don't remember, but WinRAR is still kicking, but it's a popular file archiving tool. 
basically unzip and unrar type file. There is a known patch for this, so it's just people that are using an outdated version of the software, but the vulnerability leads to remote code execution. The hacking groups are hosting these malicious files across a number of different anonymous file sharing websites. They've deployed a bunch of various different lures to get people to go to those websites and try to download these files. Then once the victim downloads these files and opens them with WinRAR, the attackers can execute whatever code they want on their system. Google's tag has identified multiple different campaigns that are backed by both Russia and China that are exploiting this vulnerability right now. I wanted to make sure we talked about this one because it seems like it's pretty widespread and it's a really easy fix. Just download the latest version of WinRAR. All right, that's all we got this week. Thanks for joining us for Vulnerable You. Stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you next week.